turn your Bible to Revelation 10. Very briefly tonight, just one verse of Scripture. This book of Revelation is so filled with great truths, it may take us a year to get through it. But look at Revelation 10:1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was at were, as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set on his right foot upon, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Now, you know what's happened already in the book of Revelation. Remember that this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not a hidden book. The Apocrypha is hidden, filled with veiled references, some of them perhaps factual, many of them fantasy. But the apocalypse is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, telling us ahead of time what's going to happen. And the Lord Jesus told John to write the things which he had seen, the vision of the glorified Christ, chapter 1. Then he said, write the things which are the seven churches, the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, the church at Thyatira and Pergamos and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea, reminding all of us that there were seven churches like that in those days. There were many other churches, but they were representative of the problems that the churches were facing. They also remind us that they are characteristic of each age of the church until Jesus comes. Some believe we're in the Philadelphia age, the mission, the world, the wide mission door open. Some believe we're already in the Laodicean age, where it's neither, the church is neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. Then when that is finished, Jesus said, John, you write the things which are yet to be. Beginning in chapter 4 and continuing through 22, John said, I heard a voice, said, come up here. He went up, and from Chapter 4 through 22, the scene is set in heaven, then on earth, and then back in heaven, then back on earth. In chapter 4 and 5, he saw and heard the songs they sang in heaven. Chapter 6 was the unveiling in a panoramic view of all the things that are yet to heaven, the seven seal judgments. The seven, the, there, there are three sets of seven judgments spoken of in Revelation, the seven seals the seven thunders, and the seven bowl or vile judgments. Each one empties into the other. At the end of the sixth seal, there's a parenthetical chapter, parenthetical chapter, in which the servants of God are sealed, 144,000 of them. And then chapter 8, we spoke of the other day, when that seventh seal was about to be opened, there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. They could hardly believe the terrible carnage and the awful judgment that was come upon the earth. 
And so the seven trumpet judgments begin to unfold. And then there's another parenthesis, and we read in chapter 10 some things that are to happen before the great, terrible judgments of the end. When the Antichrist rules and the false Christ rules and so on. So chapter 10 begins with a cloud. That's always interesting. When you see a cloud in the Bible, try to think what that cloud is there for. Through the years, spiritual-minded people have thought they saw visions in the clouds. Someone took a picture of a cloud and it looked like the picture of Jesus. Others have seen various visions in the clouds. If you go out on an on a afternoon when the clouds are all billowing and blowing around, you can have a time of your life as you think of spiritual things about the clouds. But this scripture speaks of a cloud in a different sense. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. The cloud in the Bible speaks of the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God is God's special glory that surrounded his work. The cloud dwelt between the cherubim and the, in the tabernacle above the mercy seat. Once a year, the high priest would go beyond the veil into the mercy seat, offer a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people, and the cloud, the Shekinah glory of God, was over that mercy seat. It finally came to dwell in Solomon's temple. And you read in 2 Chronicles that the glory of God filled that temple. And uh, there was such excitement. And that's when the Lord said to Solomon, there's gonna be a time when people won't be this excited about the work of God. And when that happens, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so that cloud reminds us of that great promise of God. Nearly five centuries later, Ezekiel saw the cloud. It covered the temple. And then as he beheld, and he tells this in Ezekiel, he saw that cloud go up from the temple. And it went up and went across and covered the Mount of Olives and then went on into heaven. Nobody ever saw the cloud again. Ichabod was written over that temple. The glory has departed. But wait a minute, that's not the end of the cloud. If you look in Matthew 17, and behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Moses representing those saints of God who had died with faith in the Lord. Elijah focusing on those who will not die but will be caught up in the rapture. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That was the Shekinah glory of God covering Jesus. 
That cloud, that Shekinah glory that had been over the temple at one time, removed. Now the temple of God is with men. Jesus himself. How beautiful, how precious. But that's not the end of the cloud. If you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you'll see something else about this cloud. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, listen. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, beginning in verse 13, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now before that, there was that wonderful passage in Acts when Jesus said, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and other most parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. The Shekinah glory of God that covered Jesus. Now that same glory we're going to see one day. We've never seen it. We've read about it. We've heard about it. Sometimes we read it, it becomes so real to us, we can almost sense the presence of that cloud. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, wherefore seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's very possible that our loved ones who have gone on are in that Shekinah glory of God, that cloud of heavenly people. And we're told to run the race acceptably. That's all the time we're going to have to give to this tonight. But I want to remind you, the glory of the Lord is that cloud. The Shekinah glory of God, how beautiful, how precious. The cloud never returned to Palestine until our Lord went up in a cloud from the Mount of Olives. Isn't that interesting? The cloud left the temple, went over and hovered over the Mount of Olives for a little while and then faded away. And then when Jesus was going back, that same cloud came to receive him. And the Bible says he's coming again with clouds and great glory. So when you see a cloud, don't just think, well, it's gonna rain or it's gonna be a thunder or in that cloud pretty. Let it remind us of the presence of the Lord. We don't always see the cloud of his Shekinah glory, but I think there have been times when we've sensed his presence. We've sensed the Shekinah glory of God, sometimes in personal devotions, sometimes in the preaching of the word, sometimes in some great song, sometimes when we see somebody we prayed for a long time walk down the aisle and give his heart to Christ, and the Shekinah glory of God is here. Let's ask God that that glory would be revealed again. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cloud of glory. The Shekinah glory of God 
and all that that cloud means to us. We haven't even scratched the surface of all that that means tonight. But just a reminder, as we read that first verse of chapter 10, the cloud, the Shekinah glory of God. Lord, give us a desire for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We pray that everyone in this place tonight will desire that more than anything else. We want to be filled with Jesus. We pray if there's one here who has never been saved, that the Spirit of God will touch that heart and draw him to Christ. And may this be a night of victory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we singing, Brother Lloyd? Number 350, where he leads me. Let's stand as we sing. The invitation is open tonight. If you feel the need to come and pray, you do that. If there's someone here who is willing to give your heart to Jesus tonight, come down here and let's talk about it and pray about it and give your life to Christ. There may be some who need to get closer to God than you've ever been before. While we sing, you do what God tells you to do.